This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Max Jeffrey, and I'm joined by Katie Bulls and Isabel Hardman. Katie, can you give us the run-through of the latest on the local election results? So, caveat, um, we're recording this just before 9am. Uh, there's still a lot of results to come in, but I think it's fair to say it's been a very uh, painful night for the Tories more than any other party. Um, you have uh, polling experts such as John Curtis saying that um, the Tories could actually... It is when you have polling experts such as John Curtis saying it is within the realms of possibility that the Tories could actually lose 1,000 seats by the time this is all done. And of course, uh, when the Tories were talking about losing 1,000 seats, that was widely seen as expectation management, not something they thought was the most likely. Now, the reason uh, I think things are looking quite bleak for the Tories is that on the one hand, Labour are performing pretty well. They've taken control of Plymouth um, Council and Stoke-on-Trent Council, as well as Medway, um, which were their key targets. So I think on some of those, there were local issues. Um, if you look at Plymouth, um, for example, the trees, but there was their target but target councils. And then on the other, you had the Liberal Democrats, I think, doing better than some uh, expected them to. Um, And for example, um, you know, so something we talked about previously on the podcast, which was, you know, can can the Lib Dems take Eton? Um, If you look at Windsor and Maidenhead, that's somewhere where the Lib Dems have done very well. Um, You also have Oliver Dowd and the Deputy Prime Minister, um, the Hertzmere Council, um, so the um, the body in his constituency. Um, Now, now the Tories have lost overall control, and that is down to some Labour gains and some Lib Dem gains. But the overall effect is a council that is pretty seen as true blue Tory, I think since 1999 has been under Tory control, um, is no longer. And that is, I think, one of those ones where I think I get the impression that it's a bit of a nasty surprise um, for some in the Tory party when they were looking at where there could be problems. Um, so, so that is the picture. As we expected, the Tories are trying to suggest that Labour are not doing as well as they should be doing. Um, Labour Party uh, saying that, yes, it's early on, but they expect on the current results that they think that they have a, a lead of about eight points and they think and the argument coming from the Labour Party is that in a general election um, this combined with the situation in Scotland which is um, uh, dwindling support for the SNP would give them a majority however I think an important caveat to that is pollsters such as uh, John Curtis have said previously to, to results that Labour would be underperforming if they didn't have a 10-point lead in the local elections. Um, so so it seems to be a picture where very bad for the Tories, um, pretty good for Keir Starmer, but actually it's Liberal Democrats who seem to be having uh, the, the most to uh, be pleased about, and that is hurting the Tories in the blue wall. Isabel, how do the Conservatives um, paint this as obviously a disappointment, but show that they're still going to be able to contest properly a general election, perhaps as early as next year? Jonathan Gullis, um, the MP for Stoke-on-Trent, tried to say that it was because of um, because 2022 was such a bad year for the Tories, but then saying that actually voters still do want to listen to what they have to say. Is that something that we're going to be hearing going forward? Yeah, so there are obviously competing uh, analysis here from different wings of the party as to what's 
to blame. Uh, the Gullis line, uh, and obviously, you know, Labour have done very well in Stoke-on-Trent, um, is that this was the what Rishi Sunak has called the box set drama um, of the past uh, year and a bit uh, that has damaged the party. Uh, and that obviously allows uh, Rishi Sunak to, to sort of appear aloof from these results, to say, you know, this was all the stuff that I'm now clearing up. Um, but there is another analysis that has really been taking hold over the past week and actually was, I think, inflamed by this week's Prime Minister's questions, uh, which is that it's the Tory stance on house building uh, that's causing this and that there are voters who are really upset um, that actually they, you know, they or their children can't get onto the housing ladder. They think the Conservatives are being NIMBYs. Uh, they were upset um, by the Prime Minister's um, comments at Prime Minister's questions on Wednesday uh, that Labour wants to uh, concrete over the green, green belt and ride roughshod over local communities. They thought it was depressing that he was actually, you know, boasting that the Tories weren't basically going to going to build houses and that they had abolished house building targets. So there's been this row building in the party over the past few days about those comments and about the abolition of housing targets. And that's moved into the cabinet in the past uh, day or so as well. So I think we're going to hear a lot more about uh, where the Conservatives are going on house building. Uh, and you're going to get a very strong rearguard action from a lot of Tories who have put a lot of energy into opposing uh, house building targets um, and indeed any sort of uh, planning reform that would mean uh, actual houses appearing. Um, but you will also... Uh, and we've seen this from, from Rishi Sunak, who's been preparing the ground very carefully, um, get this, we're trying to clear up a mess that other people made. And that's really a pattern uh, that the Prime Minister has tried to, to fall into over the past few months uh, of a sort of detached commentary on things that are happening to his party. So we've seen when we've had the resignation of cabinet ministers, you know, Dominic Raab, for instance, a silence from the PM for a while and then a comment on what has happened, almost as though, I don't know, he's you know writing a blog for the Spectator website rather than uh, actually being the Prime Minister who has quite a hand in how these things turn out. Uh, and I'm, we're certainly going to, we've seen some early comments from him this morning and we're going to see more of that today, I think. I think I think one of the problems on housing is you already have, as this will say, it is becoming an issue, but looking at these local election results and the response so far, it's not at all clear that, you know, this is one where people are reading from the results that they have to go one way or the other. So on the one hand, you have um, Kelly Tullhurst, who's blamed unrealistic housing targets in Medway, um, suggesting, you know, um, that had forced the local authority to build really significant numbers of homes, suggesting there's too much house building going on as a result of Rishi Sunak um, rather than the outer. And then you have figures such as Charles Walker saying not enough houses are being built. So and the Lib Dems doing well on the blue wall, um, a lot of that is uh, saying um, it is not is not playing into the idea of building houses. It's the opposite. So so you're going to have a result, I think, where people will take what they want from it, and lots of blue wall MPs will probably take Lib Dem uh, gains and success as further reason not to build houses. And Katie, how much correlation will there be? Do you think between these local election results and the national ones? Is that eight point lead that you said that Labour has? Um, enough to win them a general election? 
So for Labour, there's lots of debate about what you actually need to win a majority due to the electoral map. Um, some think actually need about 12 point lead to be sure of a Labour majority. Um, I think that the point which we're hearing and what Labour is saying today about the eight points and saying this is a great success for them is that the changing uh, political landscape in Scotland means that the path to a majority in terms of winning constituencies means they don't need such a big margin. Um, but of course, as ever, these things rely on um, you know the SNP losing support in a way that uh, means that Labour makes significant gains around 20 seats um, and there has been some you know there's been some focus groups stressing perhaps um, reports of you know the, the end of the SNP is slightly exaggerated at the moment we don't quite know how it's shaking out I think what's quite interesting looking at some of the results and uh, the Spectator editor I'll get some brownie points has an interesting blog and coffee house on this um, <laughs> is, is if you look at um, uh, I suppose Lots of people thinking about head to the next election say it's you know it won't be a Brexit election. And one of the difficulties, of course, is if you look at the 2019 election result, what were the factors? Jeremy Corbyn, Boris Johnson, Brexit. All uh, I think that the thinking is have gone. Um, but I think where Labour can take some encouragement from this result, and there's lots of things that can be encouraged, particularly is that if you if you look at I think how the Brexit vote, so how people. Um, how the Brexit vote is, is leaning into this in areas where uh, effectively, you know, in leave areas, Labour is bouncing back um, quite notably, particularly in the Red Wall, um, which suggests that, you know, if you think back to the Hartlepool by-election where, where it's quite damaging for Keir Starmer because everyone said, oh yeah, he, he can't make inroads there. This suggests that their strategy um, is working and that Red Bull focus or at least the fact that cost of living and other things means that people are perhaps moving back to where they were tribally as opposed to um, how they were in 2019. And then also, I think if you're looking at um, some of these remain areas, which is why we're talking about the Lib Dems, that is where the Tory vote is falling the most. And of course, Rishi Sunak was meant to be the leader who has more blue wall appeal, perhaps some red wall appeal. So I think that's one to watch. Isabel, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, it's still very early days. So I think it's only around 60 councils have declared out of 230. What should people be looking at going forward over the course of today? So some of the big battlegrounds to to look for in the next few hours are Stratford-on-Avon, Swindon, Darlington, Surrey Heath. Uh, Those are some of the, the... the seats, the councils that should uh, that could change hands, or where could where Labour or the Lib Dems are hoping to make gains on the Conservatives. Um, in terms of the the sort of narrative going forward, I think it's going to be really interesting as we've discussed that the Conservatives are trying to say this isn't a good enough night for Labour, um, and they'll stick to that line. Uh, as as doggedly as they possibly can. It will be very interesting to see how well Labour does end up doing. Uh, does it get, um, yeah, does it go 10% above the Tories, which it absolutely needs to, uh, in order to, to say it is on course for a general election victory uh, next year? Um, what is its share of the vote? Is it get, going back to sort of Blair era um, shares of the vote? Or is it uh, still not quite good enough? It's it is still a really big task for the party, um, and the, whether the narrative switches from this is a bad night for the Conservatives and we're going to have lots of questions about the direction of the party on different areas, a big row as Katie and I have just explained over house building and so on, uh, and a focus switching to whether Keir Starmer is doing enough and whether he's convincing. 
uh, voters and whether actually Labour have just been benefiting from Tory turmoil as opposed to attracting people back. Uh, I think that's going to be one of the really interesting questions of the day. And then in terms of the, the Tory landing of this, you know, what are we going to see from the people who have not been happy in the party for some time? Uh, those around Boris Johnson, for instance, or who sort of, you know, dream of a Boris comeback or a sort of, I don't know, mega Liz Trust think tank or something like that. What are they going to do? Are they going to come out of the blocks and start being very critical? Um, or are we going to see, as as some of the, the pro-Boris lot were predicting to me um, in the weeks running up to these local elections, just Rishi Sunak struggling even more to get anything through the House of Commons, uh, which, I mean, it's it's pretty difficult to see what, what, what he is putting through the House of Commons at the moment anyway, except for the um, illegal migration bill, because he's being so cautious. But is this going to render him even more cautious uh, over the next year? I think if, if Rishi Sunak is looking for an upside this morning. I think it's the fact that if you're looking at the comments from councillors who have lost their seats, um, no one is going for his leadership. No one is saying at the moment, Rishi Sunak is the problem. I think generally speaking, that line, which is look at the past year, it's always been different, is holding. Um, as you have John Redwood for, um, suggesting that the party needs to be more Tory. Um, but but I, I think it goes back to you know, people picking what they want to do from it. I think it'll be interesting to see as more results come in because it could get more choppy still, I think, for the Tories if that unity holds. Or you start having some people put their heads above the parapet and just thinking, I can try and lobby for the thing I want here and there uh, and, and so forth. Um, because ultimately, I think the local elections often... and. It is, of course, hard to completely read from a local election what's going to happen in a general election when there's so many different factors at play. Um, but they do set the mood music in Westminster. Um, and and I think it means that this narrative Rishi Sunak has been uh, working on, which I think quite successfully, um, which is the idea of the Tory rejuvenation, the idea that the Tories are slowly narrowing that gap, you know, it's gone from 30-something to, to, to around 15 the problem with local elections, I think it just bursts that a bit because it's once you're seeing losses, which is probably the first real taste of the, what the polls are in reality um, since Liz Truss's premiership, it's harder to keep that narrative going with your MPs. Now, they have a plan and they'll be trying to do it. It just is a, it's an obstacle to what I think have been a, you know, a pretty good month or you know, two months for, for Rishi Sunak in terms of um, at least stopping his MPs from um, thinking it's completely over. Thank you, Katie. Thank you, Isabel. And thank you very much for listening. To celebrate the coronation of King Charles III, you can subscribe to The Spectator and get the next 10 weeks for the price of one. Not only that, but we'll also send you a commemorative Spectator mug absolutely free. To claim this very special offer, go to www.spectator.co.uk forward slash crown.